I know Brother Jeremiah would uh, certainly want to be here. He loves to preach, and uh, anyway, we love him and uh, praying for him now while he's, uh, while he's sick, and that's tough to have to get sick to get a break, isn't it? Uh, sometimes that happens, though, but uh, anyway, I know Brother Jeremiah was uh, very pleased the way things went last week, and I know that he would want to give a shout-out to everybody that uh, was involved in Bible school and all that vast uh, backdrop that they had put up there. It doesn't just jump up there by itself. And uh, I was surprised when we talked to him late Wednesday night that all of it was gone and put up. I understand. I, I left pretty quick Wednesday night, but had all of it put up. And so, anyway, thank you to all those that was involved in all that. And I tell you, the, uh, the staff guys and along with the volunteers, that's a pretty good job putting all that stuff up. And kind of dangerous, too. If one of them panels fell over, they could probably crush somebody. But uh, anyway, thank you to all those and those that maybe brought kids. And uh, I understand there were several saved, and boy, how exciting that is. And uh, just the thrill of a, that a kid gets to come to church. Amen? Isn't that good? And uh, so anyway, uh, thank you to all those for that. Uh, get your Bibles out and go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6, and uh, we'll get into the message. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to preach. and been pastoring over 30 years, and uh, we've got the camp ministry up at Carson. We've had that uh, for about 27 years, and it's just neat to see what God will do with a group of kids uh, when you can shut the world out for a week, and uh, it's just uh, just amazing. We're thankful. We're going into another camp uh, next week, uh, well, actually this week now, um, start Tuesday, and uh, it's, we call it man camp. I, I know there was, I think Brother Nate had mentioned it uh, last Sunday or Sunday before, and I think maybe there's some confusion about uh, men coming to the camp, and uh, some of the women say we ought to have a man camp for some of the men, and, uh, but uh, anyway, it's about boys. It's for boys, and age 7 through 15, and we get to uh, shut the world out for a week, do some old-fashioned uh, hard work and teach them some carpenter skills, and we pull from the Bible about foundation, plumb bobs, just all kind of neat building things, you know, out of the Bible. You know, Jesus was a carpenter uh, for many years before he went into ministry, and uh, uh, me and Brother Jeremiah, we kind of like that, both of us having kind of a carpenter background, so we're excited about that being prayer for us uh, next week, and um, we're, uh, the rain was really blessed over the summer. You know, we have high chances of rain, and then it would either just rain at night or maybe just a spot shower. So, But we'd appreciate a little extra prayer because all of our activities just about are going to be outside. And I do have a 30 by 50 tarp, and uh, so uh, I hope we don't have to use that. But anyway, be in prayer for us. Romans chapter 6, and if you would find um, verse 6. I'll read several verses and then pray, and then we'll share with you the message. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, and I'll read down about 10 verses, then we'll pray. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise... Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it to the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are, and to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Dear Lord, we just thank you and praise you, God, for loving us and for saving us. We thank you, Father, for this church. Dear Lord, for the staff, for the pastor, and we just lift up those that are sick this morning. I ask you to give them healing. I ask you, Father, just to Father, be with us, especially in these, this next little bit. Lord, I need your help. I always need your help. And God, I just call upon you, and I pray that what you want said would be said. And I pray that you'd use me in the doing. I pray for the unction of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd move through this building into every heart and every mind. And God, that you would speak and do a great work. We thank you for what you're going to do. Give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't you just love the Bible? Amen. I got two or three of them at the house, but I, I've, um, I appreciate the Bible and what it says. Everything the Bible says of God is done and cannot be undone. Boy, can you say that about anything else today? I just love that. Anything you read in here, God meant it, and it's not going to change, and it's for real. I like uh, my home pastor years ago used to quote Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. It's a done deal. Amen. I like that. And we can depend on it no matter what's going on in the world. Jesus beat the devil in Matthew chapter 4 with the word that had been written for 1,500 years with three, it is written at the book of Deuteronomy, and he beat the devil. Amen? As Vance Havner said, we got the whole Bible here today. The Apostle Paul, the author of Romans, um, had a lot of experience under the grace of God. and being free from the dominion of sin. I want that to settle in just for a little bit. God has put a burden upon my heart to share something with you that is not just about you, but it's about me. It's about every saint of God. It also involves the lost out there today, the dominion of sin. It's like being chained by your sin, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it, nothing you can do to save yourself from hell. It's real, and it's every day. And thank God for Jesus coming. Thank God for the gospel, the grace of God. But Paul, with a lot of experience under the grace of God and being free from the dominion of sin, I want to share a verse with you and try to target you into what, where my burden is this morning. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, Paul said this. He said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. It was a constant subject in Paul's preaching about the grace of God. In our text verse, Romans 6, 14, Paul says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Paul was trying to convince his readers of the power of God's grace. And I think that's where you and I probably uh, live or visit there a little bit every day ourselves about the power of God's grace over the power of sin. Verse 20 in chapter 5 says, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now here's my simple burden with the message this morning. It lies right here in the grace of God. God's grace, God's grace defeating the sin nature. 
You know what, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes we get to thinking that we're different than people, and some folks, some of us have other problems that other people don't, but, you know, I think we're pretty well about the same. Uh, you know, we may look different, our finances may be different, and houses and habits and jobs and stuff like that, but, you know, man's pretty well about the same. And I think you and I, 2,000 years after Jesus came, and I don't know how long you've been saved here this morning, but we... I think we tend to not get all that we need to get out of the Word of God. Thank God for the men of God that wrote their history here in the Bible and their experiences and their faith and uh, these verses that we're sharing with you to pull the message out of that, that mean so much. But sometimes, I don't know about you, I feel like being saved and then the old nature, that dominion of the flesh that uh, is, seems to be ever there present, sometimes it seems like I'm fighting an invisible man. I know something's going on. I can feel it. I can sense it. It's, it pushes me. It pulls me. But sometimes, you know, you just can't get your hands on it because it seems to be invisible, but you know it's there. Ever feel like that? Well, good. We're in good company then. <laughs> I heard a preacher say one time in, uh, in, in Bible college that usually what you need, everybody else needs. So if you'll, one way to find the message is to find what you need, and it'll help everybody else. So I want to preach this morning on this thought, God's overcoming grace and defeating the sin nature. Now, again, this is up close and personal to every one of us. So uh, just open your heart and let God speak to you through these verses. Uh, God has never failed to give me anything. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about this subject because, you know, um, I want it to get, in, get into everybody that's here. It's real. I believe it's one of the most detrimental things that the church faces today. Every Christian home is this sin nature. Uh, if you'll count up, I think 17 times the word sin is mentioned in Romans chapter 6. And when it talks about the sin, mentions the word sin, it's actually talking about the sin nature that's inside of us. When I got saved, I did not get fully redeemed. I got saved until the day of redemption. One day my body is going to be redeemed. So we got that conflict that's inside of us. Sometimes we're too proud to admit it. And uh, sometimes we don't other, want other people to know about it. But it's whatever the reason may be there that it evades us. It is there and we know that it's there. It can be awful. It can be ugly. And I think it hurts our young people today more than anything. Because they got to figure all this out themselves. Look in verse 6, and we'll begin there. Verse 6 uses a, uses a term there that we'll use this morning. Paul says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I want you to notice in verse 6, that entity inside of us that tries to dominate, that did dominate before we got saved, is called the old man. So when I use the term old man, I'm not talking about you older guys out there. I hadn't got old yet, amen. Uh, I'm talking about that sin nature uh, that tries to have dominion, that does have dominion over the lost person today. And here's my first thought. Sin is generated by our sin nature. Our sin nature goes with us all the time. You know, we can dress up and look good. I don't think I ever looked good. My wife did say one time I was handsome, and, uh, but that was many years ago when I had all my hair. But, you know, we can, we can dress this up and look good and look respectable, 
But that sin nature is still there. We can do good deeds. We can do all kind of stuff. And thank God for that. Amen. God wants us to learn the Bible and follow it. Amen. God wants us to be about that business. But sin is generated by our sin nature. He's in everything. James 1.14, the Bible says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's there. And it's real. And you folks like myself that's been saved a long time, just think about the kids out there today, the young adults and the teenagers that are saved, and they got all this going on inside their heart and mind, and they're trying to deal with it. And they want to be, uh, they want to be good, they want to do good, they want to uh, be respectable, they want to do all these things. And I'm not a mind reader, but having dealt with kids for about 30 years, my wife and I, we can almost sense a young person when they're going through this sin nature business and trying to deal with it and trying to find a place to put it. And oftentimes, I'm sad to say, it's missed by a lot of people. I'm not lifting myself or my wife up. I'm saying it's real. And I'm saying that sin is generated by our sin nature after we get saved, just like before we got saved. Paul said this in the next chapter in Romans seven eighteen. He says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would do, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Paul said that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing that he has a will, that he wants to do good, he wants to do right, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. May I share with you again, and I'll keep repeating this probably because this is where my burden is, not just for the kids, but I want to say especially the kids that don't understand maybe the, what you and I have gleaned through our lifetime about this sin nature that is real and that is uh, uh, there all the time that they have to deal with. And I'm not trying to pick on the kids. I love kids. I got three of them, amen? And uh, they're, uh, they're as big as I am now. i got 10 grandkids. I love them. But this is something that, that we not only need to be aware of, but we need to take the Bible and learn how to deal with it. God's good, and he gives us what we need, and we can search it out and we can find it out. So Paul is saying here, uh, talking about that, that sin nature of his that's, 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 uh, uh, that, that generates sin. Now, the apostle Paul moved on from here. He didn't get perfect. But he learned how to deal with it. And that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 that I read to you is how he dealt with it. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote this, wanted us to understand that he's grappling with what we experience. I'll ask you a question. Didn't know you were going to get a test, did you? Anybody in here, you don't have to raise your hand. You can nod if you want to or smile or blink. I don't have to know because I know some of you did. Did anybody in here get mad last week? Anybody get mad last week? I, I probably had, yeah, I see some of you shaking, shaking some heads there. But that's the old man. That's the old man. Hey, I'm going to heaven. God's going to give me a new body one day. But the old man is still there. And the old man is just as evil and just as wicked and just as awful and just as depraved as it ever was. But guess what? When we got saved, when we got saved, we got deliverance. We got deliverance. 
The grace of God is more powerful than the dominion of that sin. But how many people do you see today that's living in that victory like the Apostle Paul? You know what was on his mind all the time? What was on his mind all the time was taking advantage of every opportunity to apprehend what God had apprehended him for, to fulfill his life, to not get done before it was done. His life was that. That was his whole goal in life. And he achieved that in spite of the sin nature. And he did it through the grace of God. I ask you if you got mad last week. I get mad all the time. Now, I'm not privileged because I'm a preacher. I ought, to, I ought to know better. But boy... You know, that, 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 that sin nature, it just will sucker punch you. I mean, the devil will sucker punch you. Uh, he's not just a drawing in a copy book. He is real. He is smart. He was the one that was in the Garden of, of Eden there uh, and, and where paradise was lost for you and I. He's just as real today. And the, the, him and the sin nature work together. I can't explain all that, but I was born a child of the devil. I wasn't born a cannibal. One day I found out about it through the preaching of the Word of God. And one day I humbled my heart enough as a teenager and got saved. And boy, that made the sin nature and the devil mad. Amen. And so I'm asking, did you ever get, did you get mad last week? That was the sin nature. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. I have not learned how to do that. I have not found the verse on how to be angry and sin not. Amen. And uh, uh, so I'm just giving an example that sin is generated by our, our sin nature. What about this one? What about covetousness? When's the last time you heard that one preached on? What about covetousness? The Bible says, thou shalt not covet. Um, Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation, that's your conduct, that's your life, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Wanting something and wanting something and wanting something that you don't really need is covetousness. And it's a sin. And it's from the old nature. It's from the old man. I don't know about you, but I tend to want stuff. I'm embarrassed to say a lot. Now, just because a preacher said it doesn't make it right, it's wrong. The Bible says to be content with what we have, right? That doesn't mean, hey, it doesn't mean you can't fix the hole in the floor at the house or, or do some of the things that I need to do at my house. It doesn't, it doesn't mean not to do that, but it needs to be, be content with what we have. God supplies what we have. And, 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 and what I'm trying to show you, I'm not trying to embarrass you and I'm not trying to embarrass myself. I'm just trying to tell you there's things that happens every day that's of the sin nature, that it's not of the new nature and God gave us a victory over the sin nature, but we've got to realize how to achieve it and how to get there. Amen? I was, a, uh, I was a building superintendent before I was a preacher. And I want to tell you, I never would have called myself to preach. I, I never would have, listen, I never would have done it. But as a building superintendent, I was given a set of blueprints, you know, commercial work, big stuff, uh, multi-story Difficult things in difficult places. Uh, I worked for the Petrochem Division with Brian and Root for a while, then came back home to Mississippi and, and got some, some local work and some up in Jackson, stuff like that. But I'd be given a big old roll of blueprints. 
and a spec book about this thick, about the size of what the Hattiesburg phone book used to be when you could find a phone book, and it would give you rules on both sides of the, of the, of the paper on how, how to build something. And I would have to take that and digest it and read it and look at it and how to figure out how to do what I was supposed to do to do my job. And so God gave us this entire book. He, gave us, he gives us testimony after testimony after testimony of the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, all the cloud of witnesses, and then the Apostle Paul right here, all the specific examples and all these things in here that we're to take and use to become what God wants us to become. I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, I don't want all this to come out at the judgment. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.10. My wife's not going to be next to me. She makes me look good. She's good looking. And people say, boy, what kind of guy is that? Got a good looking girl like that. I said, what? Hey, must be something to that guy. But she's not going to be standing next to me. What my dad or mom did or didn't do is not going to be there. It's not going to be relevant. And I said, wait, you know what? I don't want all this to come out of the judgment. I don't want all this that I missed and all this that I didn't do and all this that I said I couldn't when I could. Anything that God tells us that we need to do or should do, we can do. You know why? Because he's God. He would never command us to do anything that we couldn't do. So we see here that that nature, it's prevalent. It's there. And sin is generated by our sin nature. Now, I don't know about you, that helps me a little bit, right? When I try to catch rats, I want to use a rat trap. I need to know what a rat looks like, right? Well, we know what this rat looks like a little bit by those thoughts that come into our, our, our mind. And have you ever been embarrassed by your very own thoughts? I mean, oh. I think sometimes you say, good grief, where in the world did that come from? But it does, doesn't it? I heard a preacher say one time, I tend to agree with him, you can't do anything, anything about that first thought when it first arrives, right? But you can with the second thought, you know? And the second thought is, get thee behind me, Satan, right? Take the old man with you. So we see here that sin is generated by our sin nature, and we are bombarded, we're bombarded every day. You know, I thought about it as I was studying for this message, and I said, God, you know, I've preached thousands of messages. And everyone that I know that I've preached, there's only been just a handful that I can think of that I rushed in a hurry and tried to get something just to have something to say when I got there. I wanted to say what God wanted me to say. That don't make me special. It just makes me smart. Why get up here and go through all this trouble, right, and not say what God wants you to say? And, and this is where, where God gave me my burden that we need, not just in this church, not just at my house, but everywhere in America where the name of Jesus is claimed, that we need to understand this and realize this is a problem. We're bombarded every day. And I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about driving down here to church from Carson. And there's a few billboards, you know, even on 42, you know, where the hicks live. And then we get on Highway 49, and boy, you begin to see, it must be money in billboards. And we begin to see the billboards, and we see the advertisements. And, you know, we, we, we've, we've grown used to the gambling billboards, right? You know, here's your free car. Bring somebody with you. We got specials on Sunday, by the way. 
And we're bombarded all everywhere we look. The magazines, I mean, you can't go in a grocery store. They got the magazine rack over there with some of the god awful stuff that you wouldn't want your kid to think about. You'd spank your kid if you heard them talking about stuff like that. And, and just everywhere you look, not even to consider what's on the media out there. I think we got a problem making these media giants rich. I started to say we ought to shoot them, but, you know, somebody might take me serious. <laughs> they, they'll get theirs, right? There's a judgment. But, 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 but it, I'm saying what? It's everywhere. And the sin nature is right there to jump piggyback on top of it and start putting thoughts and ideas. You see, I got saved but not fully redeemed. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be fully redeemed one day. Boy, I tell you what, I, I thought about some folks that we've lost this last year. And, uh, and I said, boy, you know, they're with Jesus now. They're with those family members now. And I don't know if they can look over and see what's going on down here. But one day, we're all going to be called up together in new bodies, less the sin nature. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? So first off, God's overcoming grace that Paul talks about, and he's, 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 trying, to, uh, he, he's trying, to, trying to get this into the people's heart. He's trying to show them this uh, here in the book of Romans. Second thing I want to show you is some things we need to do. Amen? I like fixing stuff. How about you? I got a lawnmower. I, I didn't have a lawnmower, but somebody gave me one. And ours are always breaking down, and I don't like junk laying around. You wouldn't think so if you came by my house. I got it everywhere. But uh, somebody gave me a lawnmower, a good friend of mine, and, and uh, you have to air the tires up every time you use it. Anybody got one of those? Uh, and, I, and finally the other day, I finally the other day, I was having to air the tires up, and I was picking that thing up with a hoist and the checking the blades on it, and there's always something tore up on it. I'm going to have a new mower again one day. And uh, anyway, I got to... I got to uh, I said, you know, I'm going to check it. What is wrong with this tire? So I got a five-gallon bucket, and I, I filled it full of water, and I pulled it up under the front tire, that zero turn, and began to roll it. And I thought maybe it was the valve stem. I thought maybe it had a hole in it. The side of the tire is falling apart, and that's where it's coming from. So what am I trying to say by that? I identified where the air was coming out, right? And now I can't fix it. going to have to get a new tire, but praise God, hey, I... I'd spend $100 for a new tire not having to air that thing up, and it stays aired up for about six hours, right? Well, you know that sin nature is there, right? And that sin nature is, is it, it, it just never gives up, and it never quits, you know? I'm glad that I, don't, uh, that I dream good stuff, hopefully, amen? And, uh, but, but I can get a little break from it. And I'm not saying it oppresses me. I'm saying that it's there, and I'm saying that it was there with Paul. We just read about it. But Paul, listen, God gave him grace to deal with it, and we need to learn about this so we can deal with it, so we can teach our kids. I don't know about you. I'm not very happy about the way young people are, the way they're going in America today. And I love them. My wife and I have, have dedicated and, and, and put forth time and energy and blood towards reaching young people and towards teaching young people. The biggest thing that we do at the camps that we've, been, that we've done in 27 years is we shut the world out. That sounds hard, don't it? We shut the world out. It's on the application, what you can bring, what you can't bring. 
and it's there, and, 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 you know, we don't put it in anybody's face, but hey, how can you do something with God and for God and for somebody that's going to be good and wonderful and eternal when the world's hanging around everything that you're doing, right? So I said I identified where the air was coming out of my lawnmower tire. So the second thing is this. We need to identify it and admit it. I would share with any young person here this morning, listen, if you've got some issues that, you, that are bothering you, that are hurting you, you know what they're going to do? They're going to just hurt you worse. Now, if you ever raised a kid, how about an amen? If you've got something going on in your heart, this sin nature, and something that's getting bigger and bigger and becoming prevalent, listen, oh, mom and dad, we don't need to just sweep it under the rug. We need to identify it. We need to find out about it. And we, hey, we need to give them some Bible help. Amen? So we need to identify how this old man, this sin nature works, and admit it. 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible says, show thyself, Study show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. And what that says? That says, read this book and find out what God wants and what God expects. Okay? And to be a part of God's family, you've got to get saved. Okay, you got to know that you're lost. You just like I, like I said about myself, I was born a child of the devil. I told my daughter that one time, and uh, I, I told my wife I wasn't going to mention any names. I didn't call her by name, right? I just said my daughter. And uh, when she started having kids, uh, you know, she was kind of perplexed. You know, kids are supposed to be nice, aren't they? Little, you know, little babies and sweet and all this stuff, and, and, and they're supposed to be nice. And I'm not running down my grandkids. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, right? And, and, and she said, and she didn't really come to me, but, but I began to notice it a little bit. And, uh, and then she says, I don't know what to do. I've spanked them, and, uh, and I've done this. And, uh, and I said, well, just keep spanking them, right? And, and, and I, said, I said, sis, I said, they were born a child of the devil. If you're offended, I'm not sorry. Brother Jeremiah mentioned one, and I, I mentioned it long before he ever started preaching. You know, the kid... Uh, dragging the mom down through Walmart. You know, it used to, the mom used to drag the kid. Now the kid's dragging the mom down through Walmart. <laughs> it's almost that way. But we need to identify it and we need to admit it. We need to ask, who am I listening to? We want something good, don't we? I didn't give a spit whether my son went to uh, a big college Or to be successful, I wanted him to grow up and be what God wanted him to be and love the Lord. And I think he'll get there one day. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I learned to love my son more every day. It's just amazing to watch it all, isn't it? when God can do what he wants to do in a young person's life. He was a young person one day. Identify it and admit it. Ask who am I listening to. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1, it says to try the spirits whether they are of God. And we've got a little Sunday school lesson here. Try the spirits. Who's talking to me? Why am I feeling good right now? And no, I don't dance. I don't think you ought to either. I didn't say that to be smart or make you mad. 
I went to a dance one time. I raised my kids better, but I went to a dance one time. Didn't want to go. I was kind of forced to go, and I won't tell you the circumstances. I don't dance. I don't think it's a Christian activity. And I won't go down my list of those Christian activities. But I went to one one time, and, and, and man, I, I'm just going to sit at the table. I'm just going to sit here at the table. I'm going to go by the buffet, and it was one of them high school things, you know. I just kind of got drug into it. And, and you know, I, and I've seen that stuff on TV and stuff, and, and, and I didn't have a, I didn't have a uh, spiritual aversion to it because I didn't have no sense spiritually at that point in time. And so, um, so I went, and I said, I'm just going to sit here. And all of a sudden, they start playing the music. I got to watching other people. See, before I heard the music, they looked like idiots. And sorry, I don't say that to offend you, but I'm just, hey, I'm, I'm a 17-year-old kid. That's what it looked like to me. But when the music started playing, you know what happened? I got lifted up out of the chair, and I'm so glad they didn't have uh, well, they didn't have cell phones, let alone cameras on them, amen? I'd hate for that to be floating around somewhere. And uh, I was lifted up from the chair, and I began to move around like I was having convulsions. And my face, uh, I didn't look at myself in the mirror, but I had to look like I was on something. And everybody on the dance floor was doing the same thing. Y'all understand, right? I, I'm not promoting dancing, okay? I'm just telling you... Uh, what happened to me? I got lifted up out of the chair. I was out there doing the same thing that everybody else did. But I noticed this about it. When the music stopped, everybody straightened up and they didn't have ties on, but, you know, and, and then just kind of, they didn't dance back over the chair. They walked back over to the chair. Identify it and admit it. Find out what's going on. Find out what's, what's making me do this. And so it's, uh, and, and when I was a kid, and, and I don't say this to promote it. I listened to the popular music. It'd probably be called pop music now, you know, way back, you know, in the late 60s and early 70s. But it would do something to you. It was almost hypnotic. It would make you move. Uh, Michael Jackson, when interviewed by, by Barbara Waters, says, why do you make the gestures that you make? And his answer was, the music makes me do it. Makes who do it? The sin nature. The things that moms and dads out there want to correct your kids about and say, why is this happening to my child? It's the sin nature. We need to identify and admit it. Uh, ask, what am I listening to? Try the spirits. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 2, he said, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Now listen to it. In times past, before you got saved, you walked according to the course of this world. We were worldly. We were a child of the devil. He's the prince of the power of the air. And it says, according you walked to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Listen to it. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So you got the spirit of Satan. The prince of the power of the air. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read my Bible. I've read in the book of Job when he did all those horrible things to Job, and, and God let that happen. 
and uh, for, for good reasons, and that's another subject not to run that rabbit. But I know that the devil presented himself when the other angels presented themselves before God to give report on what was going on. The devil decided he was going to go up there, and God asked him the question. He says, basically, where you been? He says, I've been going up and down and to and fro on all the earth. What do you think he's doing? He's finding some kid to knock off their bicycle. He's finding some teenager that uh, uh, the sin nature that, that, they're, that they're having a tough time dealing with it, and he, and, and he helps influence. He helps influence. It, listen, it's not just the sin nature inside of us that we ought to be disgusted with. We ought to be disgusted with the work of the devil. I can't see him. He's like the invisible man. But, but I, can, I can sense when he's there. I see it in other kids. Some kids come to our camp, and boy, you, you look at them, and they're, and they're uh, some that we've seen that's almost contorted. And some of them, it's just like they uh, got uh, uh, handcuffs on their soul. And they, they can't find peace. And they can't quit moving. they got to be moving or jerking. I'm not talking just spasmatically, but tapping their foot and doing other stuff. And I'm not saying if your kid does that, he's possessed by a demon. I'm saying there's two spirits. Do you believe the Bible? That spirit, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, that's lost people. But he still knows how to work on us through the sin nature. Identify it and admit it. Sometimes it's hard to admit that, isn't it? I'm glad I don't have... To tell everybody what goes through my mind on occasion. I would be horribly, horribly, horribly embarrassed. You hear all these crazy things that are going on today with, with it's all age groups. It's not just young people. It's, it's not just young adults. It's older people. You hear the suicides and... Um, this last, this one of this last, last uh, it's not the last one, this next man camp that, that we're doing, um, we had a family pay for the camp. And they're pay, paying for it in honor of a young man that took his life over a girl. You hear what I said? Over a girl. If somebody that knew a little bit of something could have just recognized something in that young man's life, some indication to talk with him and help him through this, it wasn't worth it, was it? But it happened nonetheless. A lot of folks are, are miserable today, Christians, and this is a Christian message. And I hope I don't, if you're here this morning, you're not saved. I hope I don't discourage you from being saved. Amen? Heaven's going to be worth it all. Amen? That new body, heaven, and a clear, clean mind. I like flipping over to the back of the book sometimes, just read about some of the stuff that's going to be going on. I'm kind of like Vance Havner. I've always worked. He says, I don't want to sit on a cloud and, and, and strum a heart, Right? There's going to be some neat stuff going on in heaven and in and, and, and our new body and our new life. And so what do we do? We identify it and admit it. And again, 
sometimes it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit. I would beg you. I don't care how old you are. God's got what you need. I've had some problems. Preacher's not immune. But boy, I tell you what, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know if I'm in the home stretch or, uh, you know, midway through the fourth or fifth inning. I don't know. But I want to tell you, I I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, um, it's harder than it's ever been. Um, My body doesn't do like it used to do. And, man, I have to really get after it. Let's sit down. No, shut up. No, let's, let's, let's take a nap. No, sit down. Shut up. <laughs> it's not quite like that, but you know what I'm talking about. But I said, you know, there's some things going on inside my heart that's ain't nobody could put there but God. Because I realized these truths that God has put into my heart through this book and this thing of grace that it seems like I so underrated it one time is real. You stand up to the sin nature. You stand up to it. And there's something good happens in your heart. It ain't like, the, it ain't like them hamburgers. I, I can't even imagine all that stuff that Brother Jeremiah eats. And Man, he is, he is, he is a connoisseur, man. I know plain stuff like hamburgers and hot dogs, spaghetti, you know, roast beef, and but, but he can name all those. And my wife's the same way, and they can talk the same language and all them French terms for the pastry that we used to get down in St. Augustine, Florida, and all that kind of stuff. But it feels good. It's a spiritual feeling. Okay? It's a spiritual feeling. I mean, you know it's something good that comes from God because God gave you grace and and, and, and you, I'm going to trust that grace and, and I'm going to say no this time. I'm not going to think about it this time. I'm going to quote the scripture that says don't do it this time. And then I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to say, come back and say, get thee hence Satan. And I want to watch him pack it off down the road. And that's a good feeling. It's a spiritual feeling. That's spiritual food, amen. So identify and admit it. And then the last thing. Allow grace to rule. Isn't the Bible a neat book? America wasn't around when it was written. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I mean, there's some neat things in America, and I appreciate the founders, and, and, uh, and I appreciate the Bible principles, and, and I appreciate the fact they weren't perfect men. And, and just like you and me, if you had the FBI to follow you around for a while, like, like some of the historians have followed them around through their life, you could find some ugly stuff in your background. But thank God that they believed that there was a God, and that God knew everything, and that God was worth finding out about in the Bible so they could build a nation that would last a long time. But we've lost Christian citizens, haven't we? Allow grace to rule. Under grace means that grace is over us. That's deep, ain't it? When I was a kid, I remember hiding under the bed from my older brothers. They played rough. (laughs) Under. Under grace means grace is over us. The divine influence upon the heart. Amen? Hey, when you say, hey, I'm going to, listen, I'm going to stand up, listen, 
God is my God. The Bible's my book. The Bible says grace is sufficient. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to have faith in the grace of God. And then you do it. And then that divine presence and nature of God kind of in your heart says, you did good. And it's kind of like a charge to your battery, right? Like a charge to your battery. The divine influence upon the heart. Under grace simply means that grace is over us. That grace has dominion, right? You know, when I was a, when I was a boy, we played some games that was kind of rough. One of them was the king of the mountain. Y'all ever heard that? Michael down here smiled. Uh, um, some of y'all heard of it, king of the mountain. We'd find something that was higher than everything else. And uh, a pile of dirt. When I was a kid, there's always a pile of dirt somewhere that you could get into. And I remember one time uh, at one of my cousin's house, they had a pile of moss, Spanish moss, you know. And man, they had a, they just, it fallen in the yard, them old live oak trees down around Gainesville. And they'd piled up and piled up and piled up and piled up. And king of the mountain was, you're the one that get on top of the mountain, you throw everybody off. We didn't know moss had red bugs in it. <laughs> but that means that you're on top. And the guy that's on top is the guy that's going to win the battle. Use the grace given to us. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I'll read it for you. About halfway through, Paul says, His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Did you get that word bestowed? That means it was given to him. The grace of God that was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Something that you're given is in vain is something you don't use anymore. I mean, what would I do with a comb or hair curlers or something like that, right? I mean, I've been given stuff before and I'd have to ask, what is it, right? Paul says here, allow that grace to rule. God, hey, God's put the grace on top. It's there. It's, it's there. It's God. It's the power of God. And he put it on top. And, and God says, uh, Jesus told Paul, my grace is sufficient, but it's not just for illness, it's for everything. So use the grace given to us. His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Folks, it works. I'm not used to one of these mics. I have to keep staying close. It works. God says it works. It worked for Paul. It'll work for you and it'll work for me. Let me go back just a step backwards. What's going on in your heart right now? Anything messing your life up? Is there? What's so big you can't deal with it? You got it tucked away in the back of your mind somewhere. And it eats at you. And it gnaws at you. Maybe a young person here. Some of them say, I, I really want to be a good kid, but you know, I, I've, I've, I've got something. I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's just upsetting me and it's trying to overpower me. Grace is stronger than the sin nature. Allow grace to rule. Use the grace that God gives us. I wonder when we get to heaven, even the secret things will be revealed. 
don't know about you, but I'm scared, and I'm not joking. Nothing be hidden. Now, we're in heaven. That's not in doubt, right? But I wonder at the judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says that things that were done unworthily or things that did not glorify God or we did for the wrong reason or things we didn't do at all, that we're going to suffer loss for those things, right? And what it says, we'll suffer loss. Well, you know, to suffer loss, we're going to have to see what we, what we lost. But Jim, I, I, I think vain grace that was, was given to us by God in vain that never was used. We're going to see it. I could have got through that problem. I could have got through that problem. I didn't have to get that divorce. Uh, you know, my kid did not have to go to jail. My kid didn't have to go through all this drug rehab business and all this other stuff. We're not going to get perfect down here, but God's grace is sufficient. Use the grace. Paul said, I used, he said, he said that was not bestowed upon me in vain. And then the word reckon. Look at it in verse, verse 11. The Bible says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That word reckon, it kind of sounds iffy when I first read it. Anybody here a country bumpkin like me? Reckon? Well, I reckon. It doesn't really sound serious, does it? It sounds iffy, doesn't it? Kind of like you ask somebody if they're saved and they say, well, I hope I am. Are you going to heaven? Well, I, it, that doesn't sound sure to me, right? Well, reckon is one of them words that, that, that may not sound sure to me, but, it's, but it means in our mind that, that, that it can be sure and it ought to be sure. And it means this, to conclude that the sin nature is dead. Conclude that the sin nature is dead. How do you do that? God said it. I mean, God said it. He said it. By faith are we saved through grace. Do you believe that, right? Because that takes us to heaven. But the, but the rest of this, uh, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Conclude that the sin nature is dead. Give you a quick illustration. I'll give you the last thing. Tell Jeremiah I finished ahead of him, okay? <laughs> Several years ago, it's probably, it's probably been four or five years ago, I got, a, I got an antique track hoe. And uh, I'm not worried about anybody stealing it because it would take them 24 hours to get from where it is to my front gate, and I'd catch them. I'd be awake. It's, it's so slow. It's one of them older, 1984. It's got so much slack in the operation, but it's like me. It still works, right? And it's still useful. Several years ago, I was digging out around behind the girls' pond trying to open up a little creek to get more room for the paddle boats to go down. And I was there digging. It was kind of, a, kind of a, just an overcast day, and, and, and I couldn't do anything else. So I was down there cleaning up, and there was a big old stump over there that would, the paddle boats would, have, would bump when they go by. And I said, you know, what? Can, I get that, can I get that stump out with this little old track hoe? And I kept pulling and kept pulling and kept pulling, flipped that baby over in that water, and all of a sudden, man, uh, I like to jump out of the track hoe. <laughs> the biggest cottonmouth I ever saw came out with it. You know how people exaggerate? I am not exaggerating. <laughs> that thing was there. I was so scared. And I said, 
I got a track hoe. I could kill that joker. So I turned loose the stump and I just like that down in the mud and I stuck him way down in the mud and I said, I'm going to lead him down there. I says, wait a minute. What if he gets out? <laughs> uh, plan B. I pull him back out. Ooh, he's just, I mean, his head was as big as my fist. I'm not kidding you, him or her, I don't know what it was. I was shaking. I was so scared. I got him out with that clump of mud and I threw him on the bank and I spun that track hoe around. I dug a hole about 30 inches deep. I grabbed that lump of mud with that snake and I threw him over in that hole. I put all the dirt back on top of it. I stamped it with the, with the hoe or the track hoe and then I moved and parked the track hoe on top of the hole. I'm just a shaking. I'm just a shaking. I get off the track hoe to go back up and tell my wife my experiences. I did get a picture of it. He was just about as big around as a two-liter drink bottle. I was shaking. I'm, I'm not a sissy, but I was shaking. And I'm walking back up to the house, and there's a little breeze blowing. And I'm walking through grass about this tall. Man, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And I'm, woo, and woo, like that. And, and, and I get, get into a, a pile of Asiatic jasmine, if you know what that junk is, and it's, it's ooey too. And I get back to the house, and, I, and what was wrong with me? I was thinking it was that snake that was smashed in half as I dug the hole and put him in the hole and put two feet of dirt on top of him and then parked the track hole on top of him. I was still afraid of the snake. Conclude the sin nature dead. I thought about going and digging that thing up, you know, once in a while, and I said, nah. <laughs> so allow grace to rule. Use the grace given to us. Don't let it be in vain. Conclude the sin nature dead. Paul said, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. That's Bible all day long. The Bible teaches here in these early verses that we're baptized into Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, and that we're raised a new man. Verse 4, walk in newness of life. Jesus was raised by the glory of God. Now, I don't know how you define the glory of God, but I define the glory of God as real, real powerful, powerful than anything man's ever thought of. And so like as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God, even so ye also walk in newness of life. Remember, God never shows us something we need to do that we can't do. So the old man's dead. And he's spiritually, scripturally, with the grace of God, he can stay dead. So Paul is talking to us here. That we're not under the law, we're under grace. The Bible says that when we were baptized, now y'all know we're not talking about water baptism, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 13, salvation, we're baptized <laughs> into the body of Christ. Amen? Baptized, that's a spiritual happening. It's something that only God can do. I, you can pray 1,500 times. God's got to do it, and He does it based on your faith, faith uh, based on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, 
present our body, present our body to God for his use and purposes. Romans 6.13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Isn't that our problem in America? Any problem I have at my house is because of sin generated by the sin nature. Any problem you may have with your teenager is through the sin nature generated. Sin generated by the sin nature. And folks, understand this. I, only, I got just a short little bit to preach when you get up here to preach and you don't know my life, you don't know my story, but I love kids. And I want to see them have what God has for them. Present our body to God for his use and purpose. The word yield means to stand near. Yield. 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 Stand near. Present our bodies. Present our body to God for his use and his purpose. Neither yield ye. You see that, members? That's your body parts. Your brain. Your eyes. Your mouth. You know, we're only, we're only supposed to even speak what's good for the use of edifying. Amen? I mean, boy, the Bible's full of this stuff. Present our body to God. Stand near Him. Come to Him. Present our body to God for His use and His purpose. Neither yield your members, that's our body, instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God to those that are alive from the dead. That's us and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That word, by the way, instrument, translated out, it's a weapon. Present your body to God as a weapon for Him to use against the sin nature, against the wickedness of this world. Be light, be salt, be light. I believe the Bible teaches that, that lost people can, e can, can, can even watch a saved family and come under conviction of their lost condition and be saved. Amen? One last verse, we'll have our invitation. God tells us to come boldly. You know what boldly means? I'm going to get there. No doubt in my mind, that's where I'm going. I'm going to get there. Come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. To find help in the time of need. There's that grace again. It's powerful. It's wonderful. And I guarantee you this. If we will start using that every day and everything that we're having problems with, that we know is of the sin nature because it ain't of God, right? And ourself, our marriage, our home, our kids, you will immediately begin to see a benefit in your heart. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much.